Welcome to Murder in the Black with Steph and MB. Welcome back to Murder in the Black. It is your host, Steph. And I'm MD. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's, you know, they say that this is the Michael Jordan year. Yes, 2023. 2023, he's the GOAT of basketball. And so, you know, hopefully this year is the GOAT year. For all of us. Yeah, and we'll have to evaluate that. I mean, I don't, you know, they're coming up with a year for everything. You know, there's an Obama year. Right. There's a Michael Jordan year. I mean, I've always known about the Jesus year. But, like, there's, like, all these years. Right. I mean... I can't keep up. I'm I can't. Just trying, no, I'm we just create stuff. To... You know how we are. We we gonna we gonna create something. Oh, yeah. We gonna create something. But we'll have to come back in 2024 and see. Circle back around on. Did that. we have a Michael Jordan year? Yeah. I don't yes. know. We'll find out. So we have a subscription. Mm-hmm. Yes. People can join now, right? Yes. So it's 4.99, and if you are already per, uh, a part of our subscriber group then you've heard this you're hearing this episode right now so yeah, you're hearing congrats it to you kudos mm-hmm. um and we're gonna keep it at 4.99 for the rest of the year just because we understand life is hard out here right and you know they raise these prices like they everything got, like, eggs you, like why are eggs 4.99 i can't so you know yeah there you go so let's get into our crime case for the day yes yeah, so grab your coffee if it's the morning or if you're like me and have a cold, grab your tea. But <laughs> grab your wine if it's the evening. <laughs> either way, either way, let's get into it. All right, the name of this case, I'm titling the name of this case, A Perfect Murder, Almost. Almost. What almost. does Brandy say about almost? You know, almost doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> almost, almost won the game, listen, but you didn't though. But you, you know, I, if I could sing right now, I would. <laughs> I actually can sing, y'all. This voice right, right. here—it's taking me out. Ooh. But yeah, like almost doesn't count. Brandy's right. Mm-hmm. It, but this case is a doozy it of a is. case, and we just want to say thank you to Piper. Piper hit us up. Yeah, from Fatal. She's a producer for Fatal Attraction mm-hmm. or was. I'm not sure. I can't she remember. Is. She is. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Fatal Attraction. So please, please, please go watch Fatal Attraction. It's on TV One. Um, and she gave us a list of shows that she thought we could possibly cover for our, our, um, okay. our podcast. And we dove right in. And so you will probably see several cases that we're going to highlight this season. Mm-hmm from Fatal Attraction. And so the majority of our research came from Fatal Attraction. Right, right. So we just want want you guys to know that. Um, so let's just get right into our case. Um, it takes place in 2007 with um, our, I want to say our main character, but this is not a fictional story. It's not, unfortunately. <laughs> it's Cynthia Green Anderson. And in 2007, she was about 43 years old. And they, her family characterized her as a super loving person. And she was addicted to loving and giving. And I think that I know of a couple of people in my life who's like that. And that really can work against you. Absolutely. Like, I think, you know, some people are just, like, in love with the idea of being in love. Right. And that's not always, like, a well, I don't even want, I, I, I want to say that's never a good thing. Right? Right. So, that's kind of how Cynthia was. Right. Absolutely. And so, as a result of that, Cynthia had been married twice. And I think anytime you've been married twice and it ended in divorce, I think you're always trying to not just give love another go but you're always trying to um overcompensate for your next relationship because you know um like it or not i heard tia maori say that divorce is not 
a failure, but it truly is. It is. <laughs> you know, it just call a spade a spade. Yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, it's all about perspective and whatever. You know, I think Tia Maori was trying to, you know, figure out how can she spin this to be positive. And and you we all do that. And we all should do that in some ways to, you know, move on, move right. forward. Um, but at the end of the day, a fact is a fact mm-hmm. and divorce is a failure. It mm-hmm. is a failed marriage. However, that doesn't mean that you can't move on and, and find, you know, some healthy, you know, mm-hmm. relationships after. And that's what Cynthia was trying to do. She's right. trying to find a healthy marriage you know, after getting out of what, you know, was not a healthy marriage. Right. And so in 2007, she actually meets a man at a convenience store and they quickly fall in love. And his name was Craig, Craig Anderson. He was a hardworking man. He spoiled her, you know, just, he just really spoiled her. He had a good job. He would cook when she came home. Like she did not have a concern in the world when it came to him. And I think it's important to know that she also was a nurse at one point in time. Um, and she was the fourth out of 13 children. So she was always trying to um, be a leader. And so she became a nurse and she loved caring for people. I think that went right along with her being loving and giving. And um, she actually hurt her back working as a nurse trying to move a patient and she got rheumatoid arthritis so she had to basically give up her career to um you know become she she worked after that I'm not sure what she did but she wasn't in her career path at the time when she met this guy so they met and very quickly fell in love um there was a lot of passion between the both of them and on February 14 2008 they married they Valentine's got, Day. Yeah. A little, you know what? I have a friend. She got, we were talking about like anniversaries. Mm-hmm. And she told me, she said, Yeah, I got married on the 14th. And I was like, oh. I would never want to yeah, share. Yeah, she like, said after people, the fact. Yeah. She was like, girl, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> like, well, because it sounds, I mean, it is. Like, I mean, even mm-hmm. listening to how Cynthia got married on the 14th, you're like, oh, that, that's mm-hmm. so romantic, right? I'm that person, though, that's like, I do not want to share my my whatever with anything else. Like, yeah. I, like even like for me, mm-hmm. my wedding day is August 6th. And my firstborn was like, scheduled to be born I remember that on August 6th right. and I was like Mm-mm. I'm gonna do whatever I need to do because to sure. we are not sharing your birthday and my anniversary right like, everybody needs their own day everybody does and yes. I need my Valentine's Day and so- I need my anniversary <laughs> <laughs> I, need I don't my need it to be on the same day <laughs> I get that but kudos to you know those that 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 do it that way I mean right. you know it does work in the sense that I guess you're saving money like so. yeah in some kind of way right So after they get married, everything seems to be going well, but dark secrets from Craig past start to creep up because secrets never remain secrets for too long. And it was revealed that he was a former drug addict and family and friends of both Cynthia and Craig felt like he was up to his same patterns of maybe getting back on drugs. Mm -hmm. And so that obviously um, led the family to believe that you know, he was just using Cynthia as a charity case, like, you know, getting money from her. He was able to, you know, of course, stay with her. But basically, he was just using Cynthia. Right. But he did, however, get back on drugs. So he backslid and he got locked up for a month. And as I said just previously, everybody felt like, oh, my gosh, here Cynthia goes loving giving she's trying to save this man but you know she said she's gonna stick beside him that was her man and she was committed to Craig and to her to her benefit or to her credit like she was married to him this wasn't just a fiance or right, a boyfriend sure. like there was a commitment sure. there we're all gonna stick well most what? of us would stick beside our husband right going to jail for, for, for just a month he was in county he wasn't like in prison. Yes. He was yes. in jail. There's yes. a difference. Yes, absolutely. So, MD, can you tell us a little bit about what happened on August 2nd of 2008? What what took place between the couple? 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So on August 2nd, 2008, a 911 call came in from West Palm Beach, Florida, and it was Cynthia. And she was screaming. She She was just erratic, right? Because she claimed that an intruder tried to break into her house and she shot this intruder. And so, you know, police, they send police over to her home. And when the police arrived, you know, they stated that, that it looked pretty black and white. Like it looked like exactly what Cynthia, you know, claimed had happened. And so Cynthia sat down with the police and, you know, they're trying to calm her down and, and you know, get, trying to get the story from her. And so she states that she was in her house and she noticed that an intruder had jumped the fence, the gate. And so when she saw this intruder jump the gate and he's like, pers- like you know, ambushing or rushing up to toward the home, she grabs, you know, a gun, which her and her husband keep in this certain, certain space. And so she grabs this gun. And by the time she gets it, the intruder lunges for the gun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then they, they this, this fight happens over the gun and she ends up shooting him and you know here he was Mm -hmm. and so the police ask her like well how many times did you shoot you know the this intruder and she states she doesn't she doesn't recall she's like i don't i just don't know it was like the heat of a moment you know just in the moment she's passionate and i'm just scared and i'm just doing what i gotta do to save my life i'm Mm -hmm. not really i don't recall Mm -hmm. and that and that happens right like when you're in the the moment you don't know what you're doing that adrenaline kicks in right you just kind of go so but at the same time that the police had arrived to the house ambulance also arrives because the guy that she shot is laying out you know and he's not dead Dead. yet okay but he is like you know on his way Mm -hmm. and so the the ambu the the um the people get there and they perform life-saving measures to try to you know keep him alive and they rush him rush him to you know the hospital to see if they can save him i mean he's it's not looking good okay um but at this point the police are like who is this guy like that's what they're trying to figure out like who is this guy right and they find out that it's Jerry Logan. And Jerry has a lengthy rap sheet. Um, his latest charge was actually for armed robbery. And they're, they're like, okay, so it's very probable that this person, that Jerry hopped the gate. All of, all of this is adding up. Like, okay, right. yeah, he, you know, this is a, a, a violent person. And um, they believe that he did it and they can't question him because he is trying he's on life saving he's not they don't know if he's gonna make right, it or not yeah, and like, he's the he's only sorry. other person that can kind of like corroborate or um you know deny any claims so they're kind of stuck in between a rock and a hard place and so the police um start to go to various neighbors to corroborate this story because they are believing the story they do believe absolutely it looks black and white to right them. they're just they're just you know dotting their eyes, crossing mm-hmm. their t's, making sure that everything lines up, you mm-hmm. know, really for the paperwork at this point. Right. Right. Did they believe um from what you found out, did they believe that it was the self-defense was a little excessive because didn't she shoot him more than like once? Well, so what they found out is like once they got uh, Jerry to the hospital and they're performing this life-saving measures, mm-hmm. they're doing what they've got to do to try to keep him alive. Um, they find out that he was shot six times. Jeez. And so while they do believe that, like, while they're leaning towards believing Cynthia's story, they're trying to understand, like, you know, how do you shoot a person six times, right? Like, you know, yeah, you're trying to <laughs> save your life. But so they bring her back in to for questioning. Okay. At the same time, they're trying to find her husband. Where is he? Was he there or... Well, they don't know, and they just know that he is 
this is this is her husband, right? And so you know, it's just another loose end that they're needing to tie up. to tie up to to make sure everything makes sense, lines up. Um, I believe that they said that they saw him fleeing the scene or mm-hmm. something like at the time because because that's why they're looking for him. Okay, he was fleeing the scene mm-hmm. at the time. They don't understand. They don't really understand why are you leaving. Right. So one of the things that they that they do is they talk to neighbors and a neighbor came forward and said that around 11 a.m. Jerry came and asked her for a ride. And apparently she lived in the community or was just she was present Mm -hmm. when it happened. And so she gave him a ride. He said he needed to do something for a friend and they dropped him off at Cynthia's house. Once they drop him off, they see him hop the fence. And they don't really know why he did, but they presume, like, this is his friend. And a man comes outside with a gun and proceeds to shoot Jerry in cold blood. So So now, yeah, the story is changing rapidly. Yeah, that's not the same story Cynthia gets. Right, because Cynthia says she's the one who shot him. He wasn't, well, she didn't say if he was at home or not, but she says she's the one who did everything. Right. So, you know, the police are trying to figure out what's going on. Why is now, these stories different? <laughs> right. And so that's what usually cause, you know, causes police to be suspicious. That's mm-hmm. why it's so important to just be, well, first of all, as an, as an attorney, mm-hmm. it's important to not talk until your attorney is present, mm-hmm. guilty or not. If right. you are innocent, you want to wait for your attorney. Mm-hmm. If you are guilty, you need to wait for your attorney, no matter what your attorney should be present. And if you don't have one, the state will provide you with mm-hmm. one. Free of charge. Free of charge. Okay. Constitutional rights. <laughs> um, just, I mean, you know, I got to throw that in there for the people so that they know. But it is important to be consistent with your story because mm-hmm. when that story changes, now police are, tr- they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're perked. Their ears are perked. They're trying to figure out, okay, why is the story different? This isn't consistent. This is not consistent. And maybe there is a reason. There are some reasons why stories change. There's some explanations for that. But we've got to identify why. You know, she was shaken up. Maybe she got that confused. Maybe that. Maybe she didn't mean to say herself. Maybe you know. So they bring Cynthia back because mm-hmm. they're like, as I said, they brought her back in. They're like, hey, what's who, going on? What's going on? And why is this story different mm-hmm. um, from this witness? And that's when Cynthia drops the bomb that she knows Jerry. Mm. And not only does she know Jerry, but they used to have an intimate relationship. Mike drop. <laughs> Mike drop. Um, and the police are now sitting there dumbfounded, like, okay, so is the story about to change dramatically? But it really doesn't change dramatically. The only nuance to this new story is that she did have this intimate relationship with Jerry. She states that Jer- her and Jerry, you know, met, they got into a relationship. But when things turned sexual, it got really uncomfortable for her because he was wanting her to do some things that she just was not willing to do or just uncomfortable doing. Yeah, she wasn't comfortable. And so they broke it off. But while Cynthia broke it off, and was like, I'm done. Jerry, not so much. He became obsessive, according to Cynthia. Okay. And began to stalk her. And so she then took out a restraining order, which is on file with the police. Like the police corroborated that this restraining order did in fact exist. Um, but that restraining order, like most times with these types of situations didn't really stop Jerry from continuing to, you know, pursue, pursue her. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the rest of Cynthia's story lines up with what she said from the very beginning, which is then, you know, on the day in, you know, day in question, he jumps this gate, he's right you know, bum rushing the the house and she shoots. She sticks to that. Mm -hmm. Everything else is the same. The only difference is that, she did, in fact, know this intruder. He right. wasn't a stranger. Now, as she's sitting down talking with the police, Craig, her husband, voluntarily checks himself in with the police and sits down to give them a statement. Right. So Craig says that, you know, I was at the house 
and actually I shot shot Jerry and they asked him you know why did you shoot him and he said well he was trying to break into the house and he said he left because he had already previously had problems with the police which is true I mean um he also had a long rap sheet with the police um and so the police at this point in time they're just they're just trying really to gotta put the pieces of the puzzles together and in their favor jerry actually survives his attack and they're able to go and actually get a statement for him he's actually groggy and you know he he's trying to come to when he's given this statement but he tells police something that was definitely a shocker well the fact that jerry survived is definitely a shocker for sure. Right. Mic drop there. Right. Right. So, I mean, what he tells the police is that what they already know. Him and uh, Cynthia had a relationship with one another. And he said that that month that Craig got locked up, if you guys remember, I said he got locked up for a month because he had backslid into drugs. Well, during that month, he says that Cynthia invited him over and <laughs> to do what Steph what did why does why does Cynthia invite him over you remember I said you know she has rheumatoid arthritis right and apparently she had it in her back as well which okay so she asked him to come over and rub lotion on her back her cream her, her cream rheumatoid arthritis, arthritis cream. cream and so he says you know I told her sure yeah absolutely I'm coming back in I'm sliding in as and he said, he said, I'm a cup. I'm a cup. So he puts on his gloves, child, and you know, oils her up. Yeah, the latex gloves. The latex that's, gloves. That's important, friends. That Remember is. Remember those latex gloves. So, you know, he oils her up, and of course, that quickly turns sexual. And he says that, you know, all those things that she said to the police that made her uncomfortable, which led to their breakup, he said, oh, she was down to do it. Oh, yeah, now she's ready. She's ready and willing. <laughs> she's like, listen, I'm game. I'm 1000% on board. Right. And so they have this illicit affair for four weeks mm-hmm. while um, Craig is locked Craig up. Craig is locked up. Mm-hmm. So, like, what did Cynthia think she was going to be able to do? Like, how did she think she was going to be able to manage this relationship? I mean, maybe Cynthia thought Craig was going away for life. I- right, maybe. Like, we don't even really know the whole circumstances of him being away for a month. But she told Jerry, I'm going to get rid of. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to end it. I'm done with Craig. Mm-hmm. It's you I want. That's what she was telling Jerry. This yes. is Jerry's story. Jerry's saying, she's whispering in my ear saying all the right things. I'm thinking, listen. I'm I'm in, he's out. Right. And he was deeply in love with her. He really wanted obviously. that relationship with her. Very so this is I, you know, this is very much giving baby boy scene. Okay. <laughs> like I'm paying the If You picture. guys have not seen the baby boy. The particular scene <laughs> that we're referring to is when Tyrese is locked away in jail. Mm-hmm. Snoop Dogg is over at you know Tyre Tyreji's house mm-hmm. and and we're using real names it's not their Taraji real. Taraji not yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry Taraji Taraji's house and Tyrese calls and mm-hmm. what happens and Snoop Dogg basically says this is done this is my woman now yeah Focus well actually Snoop Dogg the soap <laughs> yeah actually it's reversed Tyrese is in the bed with oh, Taraji. That's right. That's right. My so new dog is locked up. Right, right. And that's what he says focus on not dropping the yeah, soap. Focus nigga. on not dropping the soap. That's <laughs> my girl. Well, in reverse, this same type of situation kind of happened right. in art in, in real life, y'all. Back in real life in this story, mm-hmm. while Craig was locked up, he called Cynthia. Mm-hmm, like, and he's trying to figure out, like, why, why you ain't you... come down here and see me? Right. Why ain't no money on my books? Right. Cynthia? You know, you my wife. You supposed to be down for me. Mm-hmm. And Cynthia's like, you know, talking to him. But she's in the bed naked with Jerry. Right. And Jerry's over here looking like, you told me you dumped this dude. You told me 
it was over. Right. And so what Jerry do, sir? So Jerry grabbed the phone from her and she's fumbling and bumbling, trying to talk. And he says, listen, this is my woman. We're, you're done. We're in a relationship with, he, with each other. So, you know, stop calling. Right. Focus on not dropping, dropping the soap. soap. <laughs> click, click. He didn't say that part. That, 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 you know. But yeah, so Jerry says that's, you know, he did that. And from that point forward, you know, that was really kind of the, the ending of you know, Jerry, according to Jerry. Right. And he said shortly after that, she filed a restraining order against him. But this time, she, what did she say in this restraining order? She said that Jerry raped her. Yes. Girl, mm-hmm. that, like, I was like, wow. Now, I'm not here to say that Jerry didn't try to rape her or that mm-hmm. Jerry didn't, you know, that Jerry did rape her. Like, you know, that's not, we can't speak to that, right? Mm-hmm. That's never been brought forth in, in, in trial. Mm-hmm. Like those, you know, but I will say this. It's not the first time that women have done a, you know, I did something I didn't really want to do. And right. so now I'm going to say that I got raped. And whether right. they, like, go and file charges like she did or, mm-hmm. like, a restraining order like she did, like, that's, according to Jerry, that's what he feels like she did. Mm-hmm. She did this, oh, shoot, I had this relationship and now I know how to get out of it. So the only way that I can try to get out of it is to say that I was raped. Right. And then it gives... Craig more motive to yeah, shoot him, more ammunition, right? more fuel. Right. And so now the police are sitting here and they're saying, okay, we got three stories. We have Cynthia's story. Mm-hmm. We have Craig's story. We have Jerry's story. What are we about to believe? Right. And so what the police do is they go and look at the evidence mm-hmm. because that's really the only thing that they can do is see which story lines up with the evidence. Right. And, to Jerry's credit, he said the reason why he was there that day is because Cynthia called him and asked him if he if he could feed the dogs because she was going to be running errands and she right. couldn't she wasn't going to be able to do yeah, it. She was going to be in my so he said he goes to the gate and it's locked, so he just jumps it because maybe she forgot to open the gate. Right. So naturally, he jumps the fence, the fence, and opens the side door, and that's when he's completely ambushed by Cynthia and. Craig. Yeah, but first Craig. He says that he tries to open yeah, Craig the door. First. Craig comes out with latex gloves and a gun on. Mm. And he, you know, starts yelling at him and then fi- fires three shots. Mm. According to Jerry, three shots. The first shot, he drops down and he's like, you know, just shot, shell-shocked from just being hit. And then two more shots. And then Cynthia runs out. She's cussing, saying kill that, you know. Mm-hmm. Kill him. Kill, yeah. And not, not in those nice terms. And <laughs> um, grabs the gun, and she fires three more shots. She attempts to fire a fourth shot in his face, but the gun jammed. Ooh. So she was trying to like shoot one Kill more, him. right? Like in the face, which would have obviously been more a kill shot than not killed him. Mm-hmm. But the gun jammed, and she was trying to unjam it, but couldn't. And then she runs in and calls nine one one. So that's Jerry's story. So now the police are saying, where does the evidence lie? Like, what is the evidence story? What does the evidence tell? So mm-hmm. They go back, they're looking through the evidence, and sure enough, they found latex gloves were collected. Mm-hmm. The gun that was collected matches the bullets that were, you know, were from him. Mm-hmm. And then the eyewitness testimony that states that he did come out, mm-hmm. like, and that, you know, uh, there was this ambush. And so they feel like, listen, Jerry... Although he may be a convicted felon, his story is lining up with the ev- with the evidence, and it's looking like he was the one telling the truth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So on August tenth, two thousand eight, they arrest both Craig and Cynthia, and charge them with attempted murder and conspiracy. So they believe that essentially this was a love triangle that went wrong, yep. and she lured Jerry to her home to set him up so they actually you know during this time that they're trying to prepare for trial they're trying to see if one will turn on the other that's their hope like that they'll either get cynthia to testify against craig or craig against cynthia and that simply just does not happen oh no they're sticking together they stick beside each other yes they do Mm. Mm -hmm. and so they actually tried together but they have different juries can you tell us md why that is or is that typical in cases where there's two people 
being tried. So it's hard for me to say whether or not it's common um, because that would require me to go into some nuances of like trying to figure out how often Florida does something like this. But what I will say is that um, in these type of situations, multiple juries um, against multiple defendants occur within the broad discretion of the court, meaning that the court gets to determine whether or not something like this is uh, allowed. So you would have a, uh, an attorney that would advocate for such a multiple, you know, jury joint trial situation. Mm-hmm. And then the court gets to decide whether or not, you know, they deem it applicable. Mm-hmm. And so just, you know, for clarification, you have multiple defendants that are tried simultaneously at one trial by separate juries that are hearing the same evidence because it is admissible as to both the defendants, okay, in the situation. And so that's, if you're looking at this case, specifically, we having, we're having one trial, but we have multiple juries. So we have a jury for Cynthia, and we're going to have a jury for Craig. And the evidence, though, is the same and is admissible against both Cynthia and against Craig. But Craig has his own attorney and Cynthia has her own attorney. And it actually what's really quite interesting is that Florida was, you know, among the first, I want to say they were the first to endorse a multiple jury type situation. And that occurred in 1978. So it's not uncommon that Florida would allow such a thing fast forward in mm-hmm. 2008 right you know so yeah awesome great 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 so ultimately do you as an attorney feel like it's better to be tried with the same juries together or is it more advantageous to have separate trials period if you have a co-defendant right so if i'm the the, the if i am an if I am a defendant, mm-hmm. if I am the attorney for the defendant, mm-hmm. I'm representing the defendant, then I obviously am going to advocate for something like what they had. Okay. I want my own jury. I mm-hmm. don't, I want my own trial. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be separate and okay. apart. Like, but if I have to have a situation where they're trying us together mm-hmm. um, in, a, in a, a joint trial, then I would, I absolutely think, you know, and I'm the attorney. Uh, attorney defendant i absolutely would want to have separate juries okay because there is a situation where it is possible and has occurred Mm -hmm. in the legal system where you know you have a situation like this and one jury decides not guilty for Mm -hmm. the for said defendant and another jury decides guilty but they heard the same evidence right and so that is possible for it to happen and that's why you would prefer to have um you know, separate juries because it's it's harder, I think, for a jury to um I think it's it would be a jury would be tasked with a more difficult decision to have to listen to the same evidence and then, you know, think about Cynthia and then turn and think about right, Craig. Right. And I mean, while that happens and even in that situation they found not guilty and guilty, um, it's just it's harder versus I'm only worried about this jury over here and not only that that means in Vordier which is Vordier is where they um they're trying to pick the jury mm. so it's where they're questioning mm-hmm. each juror and they're trying to you know weed it down to who's going to sit in those seats right um Cynthia when she, her attorneys are doing Vordier then they're they're saying they're picking a specific type of jury right, that's going to be right. sensitive to Cynthia. Mm-hmm. And then when Craig's attorneys are doing undergoing Verdire for mm-hmm. their jury, then they're picking, att- hopefully picking jurors that are going to be sensitive to Craig's plight. Right. right? And they have, they're two different types of people. Like mm-hmm. I need, if I'm the attorney for Craig, I need people that are sitting in those seats that are not going to look at that maybe have people in their their family that have a criminal background right that may right. you know you see what i'm right, saying yeah. like and you don't necessarily need that on cynthia's jury mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right maybe on cynthia's jury you need some people that are sensitive or have had experience or know of people that have dealt with domestic violence right that's people that needs to be on her jury mm-hmm. and so you know that that's why having multiple juries are advantageous mm-hmm. if you're gonna have a joint trial of course 
I think most people want separate trials. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you know, if we're we're dealing with a joint trial, mm-hmm. to me, separate the best juries. is yeah, that's the best possible situation. Perfect. Thank you for that legal ease. We, hey, we needed to know. <laughs> All right. So now we're gonna cover basically what happened during the trial. What the prosecutors alleged happened. They said that um Craig knew about the affair, was made aware, which corroborates what Jerry said, right. that he was aware of it. And they made this whole story up about the rape and the restraining order to basically legitimate the claim that, you know, he's, he, a, stalker. he's a stalker. He was this guy that they wanted to paint him out to be. Um, Craig they investigated Craig and they found out about the latex glove and the gun and all of that, as MB said, corroborated um, Jerry's claim of what happened. And not only that, but they also had the witness who said that they dropped him off and was able to testify that they saw Craig come out and shoot him. So and they as said ambush, right? Ambushed like, him. That's actually what they said. Yeah. In the like, yes. Yes. So everything is pointing towards, um jerry's jerry's testimony was legitimate and he actually testified during trial and i think it's important to understand that even though you may have a violent past or you were a criminal it doesn't mean that a crime can't happen to you and some of the people during the trial you know some of the jurors kind of turned up their nose a little bit of at jerry because it was like eh, he's just convicted felon right he's definitely not the type of witness he's not the witness you want as a prosecutor mm-hmm. you're like oh my goodness and usually you don't put that witness on the stand because mm-hmm. of that but he had such powerful testimony and understand that he his testimony is evidence so we you know you really and he has the his testimony is the strongest evidence that mm-hmm. they have and so you really got to put him on the stand um and you know no matter no matter what, and try to just, you know, put out there, you you just say, listen, he is this convicted mm-hmm, felon. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to hide that. Right. But at the end of the day, like he is a victim. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that was their, that was their, uh, there's their, th- that was the, de- not the defense, but that was the state's evidence. And that's what they presented on the flip side of that. Craig and Cynthia's lawyers, um, did their best to just portray him as a, scorn lover that turned rapist that turned stalker and um their defense was stand your ground right stand your ground and that is like really key here because and and the reason this really goes to the very heart of the title of this case which is a perfect murder almost Almost. um because the the stand your ground law um, as most of you who are you know crime junkies know about it uh, the Florida stand your ground law was really made popular by Trayvon Martin, right? But that's what Zimmerman claimed and was able to get off on, which was the stand your ground law. Now just, I did pull up the stand your ground law in Florida. This is the, the actual current law. So I didn't pull up the 2008 2008 law, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it's similar. And that's just, just a synopsis is that it's a, it's for home protection and it's a use or threatened use of deadly force, a presumption of fear of death or great bodily harm. And so this is their defense. They're saying, listen, Like, Jerry jumped this gate. He's ambushing this house. Like, you know, we were standing our ground. This is our home. We have the right to defend our home because Mm -hmm. we were scared that Jerry was going to inflict bodily harm. Mm -hmm. He has stalked me before. He raped me before. He was violating the restraining order. Like, I was in fear of my life Mm. and the, the life of my wife. And so we did what we needed to do to protect ourselves within the confines of our home which is probable like it is yeah. and, and honestly i would say that the chances of them you know committing a perfect murder and this never even going to trial would have been significantly bolstered had he died oh yeah you know like because there is nothing else to to dispute even if they found the latex gloves the police would not have thought oh he put his latex gloves on and shot him 
Mm-hmm. Like, because the only reason that they even knew about that was because of Jerry. Right. So you, even though they have the latex gloves in evidence, mm-hmm. like, they're not putting that together, right? Like, so, you know, it's just the chances of him being able to get off, especially under the stand your ground law, mm-hmm. is so much, so much higher. Right. Had he died. Had he died. And, and so I'll, that was their defense. Right. And they also said that he called, Jerry called Cynthia's phone. They actually pulled up pulled up the phone records and Jerry called Cynthia's phone 200 times. And how? how? The day before, so the day before the shooting, Jerry called Cynthia's phone 200 times in one day. And, and just the, I did the math, y'all. And <laughs> 200 times in one day, this man was calling her 18 times an hour like they said 170 times within a nine hour period okay mm. so within a nine hour y'all i am married mm-hmm. i've been married to my husband for 11 years mm-hmm. we've been together for almost 20 and there has never been a time mm-hmm. that i called my husband or boyfriend at the time mm-hmm. fiance at the time 18 times in an hour in an hour maybe 18 times in a day right just craziness maybe right. the day was crazy maybe he was getting on my nerves and we mm-hmm. were fighting like, mm-hmm. i don't know but like 200 times guys, right 170 times within a nine hour period according to fatal attraction and i all i'm gonna say is that that for me presented some reasonable doubt it did like for sure that looked very stalkerish that absolutely looked like Cynthia and Craig's story was lining up that this was a psycho and he was like because who does that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who does that Mm -hmm. and so now you know where it looked like it was going to be a slam dunk case for the prosecution the defense stood up they they gave their stand your ground defense they throw in these phone records Mm -hmm. and they they're paint and they're saying he's this convicted felon of course he lies Mm-hmm. Of course he comes up with an, a lie that sounds real good. Mm-hmm. That's what felons do. Right. Right? And so, you know, this goes to j- the jury, and it's not looking like... It's, it, it's, it's easy. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. looking like, well, which way are they going to go? Right. Because it would be probable for them to say this is enough reasonable doubt that Absolutely. maybe these people didn't do because this. Because remember, guys, and that's really where it is, I think, the bar, I think a lot of times when we look at a lot of these cases... You know, you're looking at it from your emotional standpoint. You're looking at it from the, the, you know, just what's being presented. And you're trying to understand how a jury came to whatever decision they came to. Right. But remember that the bar for the defense is reasonable doubt in a, in a murder in a, or an attempted murder type of situation. Mm-hmm. Right. It's di- like, is there reasonable doubt? It's not innocence. Mm-hmm. It's not. D- did they do it? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they did. Mm-hmm. But is there reasonable doubt that they didn't do it? And if there's any reasonable doubt, because the bar that the prosecution has to prove is beyond a reasonable Reasonable doubt. doubt. So there is no reasonable Mm -hmm. doubt Mm -hmm. within your mind that this person committed the crime that that is, you know, before the jury. And so I'm saying, hey, there may be some reasonable doubt from these phone calls. Is that enough to convince the jury that 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 it, it went the way? that Jerry said it did mm-hmm. or not. And so that's where it landed. And and what did the jury come back and say? So the verdict for Craig's jury was guilty on first degree murder or attempted murder and conspiracy. Um, he was sentenced to life in prison. Now this happened, this, this was before, I guess, I don't know what the time span was, but he got his jury came back first. first. Yeah, yes. so his jury came back first. And his jury came back with a, you know, guilty across the board. First mm-hmm. degree attempted murder and and uh, a conspiracy to uh, attempt murder. He was found guilty and the judge sentenced him to life in, pr- in prison. Yes. And Cynthia was absolutely devastated uh, when they read the verdict. Um, now, her jury came back with a guilt- guilty of conspiracy and attempted murder but not guilty of, I guess there was a charge of, did she pull the trigger? So, so she did had she... the same, she had the okay. same exact one. So okay. she, she was, they both had identical charges. So both of them were charged with first degree attempted murder mm-hmm. 
and a conspiracy to attempt murder. So right. Bo- bo- those were both the charges. She was not, she was found guilty on the conspiracy to attempt the murder. Mm-hmm. So they, they her jury believed that yes, she was a part of the planning, but her jury did not believe that she actually was the one to pull the attempt. Trigger. Right. She's so she was not found guilty. She was found not guilty on the attempted, attempted murder. murder. That's right. So, but her her judge or the judge, not mm-hmm. her judge, they had the same judge, that the judge sentenced her to... 20 years. 20 years. So even though, um, I mean, which, you know, 20 years is not life, um, but 20 years can feel like life when you're older. Right. So, you know, she wasn't a spring chicken. She wasn't. She was so, 43 years old. So 20 years is, you know, she'll get out, she'll be in her, you know... 60s. Her 60s. So... Um. Yeah. So basically, that means that the juries that those phone calls mm-hmm. that presented some reasonable doubt for me mm-hmm. was not enough for her juries. Her juries were their juries both felt as if, hey, they were able to explain those calls away, right? And um, it wasn't reasonable doubt for them. Mm-hmm. You know, they they it was reasonable doubt. That she pulled the trigger, but they, you know, they they felt like, hey, they planned. This. They planned this. They planned this, and Craig executed it. And um, you know, we did miss one thing that the prosecution did combat. You know, uh, those phone calls with their own phone call that Craig, while he was in prison mm-hmm. for those four weeks, you know, listen, okay, I mean, hopefully, I'm not talking to any criminals through this podcast, <laughs> but seriously. Your phone calls are recorded in the prison are absolutely recorded and they tell you that they're not lying. They to actually you. say that this is being recorded. It's and they can use those calls against as evidence you. as against you mm-hmm. in the court of law. And when he was in prison, I guess shortly after he, you know, talked to Cynthia and found out that Jerry was over there, he record he got and made a call to Cynthia, mm-hmm. where he tells Cynthia, I'm going to kill this nigga. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to say that. Y'all. It's okay. Bleep that out. But yeah, he said, I'm going to kill him. Yeah. And I think that they were, those those things is what really kind of looked like, you know, he was the mastermind. She, she, you know, supported it. And they created this plan to lure Jerry over to their house and make it seem like he was just this stalker and they were just standing their ground. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And had he died, died, this would be a, this wouldn't even be a story that we told you. Yeah, this Because all the evidence would point to it being a stand your ground yep. situation. Um, now, people did say to kind of finish this case off, people did believe, like a lot of her family members believe that she was a victim. Of domestic violence. Of domestic violence. And because she was involved in abusive relationships. And they just believe that Craig ultimately made her into a monster. To, you know, it kind of made her feel good in a way that somebody would want to kill over her. That another man would want her. So kind of like made her feel good. And so because of that. She found herself in a situation. situation, Right. She found herself in a situation where she was willing to do just about anything. And she never turned on. Never, to, never this day. to this day um you know and like at the end of the day we don't know exactly what happened like was she raped was she stalked what like was she a victim of domestic abuse from craig or and or jerry mm-hmm. like you know we don't know you know maybe that is true but the facts sure do look real sketch. um sketch to look like jerry is telling the truth mm-hmm. Right, so we're at the takeaway segment and my favorite part of the our show. favorite part and a lot of you guys' favorite parts. Um I just believe that this case is just it's just sad. And I guess the what I got out of it is that um you know when you're when you're done with somebody, just be done. Like close that door all the way. Because unfortunately, although I believe Cynthia probably started off 
wanting to love and that whole loving and giving thing about her personality I think it was it started off innocent but in the end it ultimately cost her because when you know Craig turned out not to be who he was and backslid with drugs she probably should have just let him go and just said I can't do it you know but I think a lot of there's a like multiple reasons why she probably didn't let go of the relationship you know she had two failed marriages already um she wanted to stick beside him you know wanted to make the marriage work Mm -hmm. but I mean look where that led her Mm -hmm. you know and I think it's easy to get caught up in a bad situation when ultimately you're trying to make it work sometimes it is really better to walk away than to stay and I'm not saying that that means she should have got with Jerry that seemed kind of toxic as well but I think she should have closed the door on Craig because she didn't want I don't think she really wanted it but I think when anybody makes you feel like um dang he fighting for me girl he he really want me he gonna fight for me he jealous ooh I don't know why that like tickles people's fancies but I think that's what that did for Cynthia it boosted her self esteem and made her just go all the way like let's kill him kill him uh-uh I'm, what? so that, that's my takeaway walk away when you no longer want the relationship because it could possibly end in murder crazy but it could mm-hmm. um in those most extreme cases mm-hmm. and you don't know when you're a part of those extreme cases i think my takeaway is similar but i would just say you know bad boys are not always the way you know like I I don't be because I've never been attracted to the bad boy Mm -hmm. but like you gotta love yourself more than what because I think a lot of the attraction that a lot of women have to bad boys is the, is is an insecurity that they have within their own self. And if you really just look within, you're loving the fact that they're they're wanting to fight for you, that mm-hmm. they're wanting to like like you know this you know you might you might you know chick what 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 all that hood stuff. And you know like I just think that you have to love yourself enough to recognize that you don't need that. And that when someone shows you who they really are, believe them. So when Craig showed her, I'm still going to be this bad boy hood Mm -hmm. type dude. Mm -hmm. Bye. And no, Jerry, you're not the answer Mm -hmm. because I walked away from you because I saw red flags. Mm -hmm. And so I was uncomfortable. I'm not going to run back to this and be comfortable now because this other situation was more uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So, hey, this is the worst no just love yourself enough to be by yourself right love yourself enough to be by yourself and to find figure out who you are because until you know who you are you can't attract who you want right or who you need right it's better to be by yourself right because be in jail <laughs> listen i'll be by myself I want to be by myself. I'm not sticking beside him. I don't want to be in jail. I'm too busy. I'm breaking up with him. I'm, yeah. I'm, I mean, bye. yes. So, like my, my dog. Bye. Bye. See you later. See you later. Bye. Yes. So, that is our case for this week. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Absolutely. And more good things to come in our Jordan year, right, MD? All right. Bye.